0: Good evening. It is five p.m. and you're listening to today in YGK on CFRC one hundred one point nine FM, brought to you by CFRC's News Collective. Alexandra Fernandez, Dinah Jansen, Chancellor Miracle, Christina Laurie, Zayden Vergara, Erica Singh, and Mary Mcketty. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your local news rundown. Legal counsel for Warren's Smokey Thomas, a Kingston native and the former president of Ontario's Public Service Employees Union, says allegations from the union of financial improprieties are untrue. Thomas, along with former first vice president and treasurer Eduardo Almeida and former financial services administrator Moros. Maurice Gabe was named in a suit from the OPSEU seeking repayment along with damages of over $6 million. The suit alleges that Thomas, Almeida, and Gabe took an unearned $5.75 million from union funds by taking action that led to the union leaders being paid, quote, significant compensation to which they were not entitled, unquote, along with quote, significant expenses on their behalf for undocumented and non-business related purposes, unquote. The former union leaders are also alleged to have transferred union items, in particular vehicles, to themselves or family members and paid out strike fund cash to Gabay. In a statement to OPSEU members and staff, current President J.P. Hornick said a forensic audit began after a new board was elected in April and through the assistance of a third-party auditor, the alleged issues came to light. He says the union is dedicated to seeking justice for this. Today's statement of claim is just a first step, Hornick says in the statement. I want to be clear to you, our staff and members, and the people of Ontario who we dutifully serve, that we will not waver in our commitment to seeking justice in this matter, and we have the full support of the board to pursue all available legal avenues. Jeffrey Croker, one of thomas's lawyers, called the allegations bogus and said the claim is riddled with errors, falsehoods, and untrue allegations, adding that thomas is reviewing his legal options and won't comment further. Thomas served a record 15 years as the president of OPSEU, first elected in April of 2007. He worked as a registered nurse practitioner and began his union leadership career as president of local 431 at the Ontario Psychiatric Hospital in Kingston before joining OPSEU's executive board in 1993. The union is seeking the 5.75 million dollar it alleges was unlawfully transferred to Almeida and Thomas along with over 6 million dollars in damages the story was written by Owen Fullerton of YGK News for the local journalism initiative On Wednesday, January 18th, the downtown Kingston BIA held their first monthly board meeting of 2023 in which their board of management elected seven members to the executive, including new chair Christine Raybrat and new vice chair Gord Dalton. Nick Waterfield will return for another term as board treasurer with outgoing chair Ed Smith remaining on the executive as past chair. According to the Ontario Municipal Act, the board's term runs concurrent with City Council, with each director elected for a four-year term. The BIA's Board of Directors is composed of volunteers from the business community who share an interest in guiding and assisting the BIA going forward. I'm very encouraged and excited to be working with an amazing group of business professionals as we work together to continue to cultivate and enhance downtown Kingston's position as the region's leading culinary, entertainment, shopping and services destination, while attracting more people to experience and contribute to our vibrant downtown community, says BIA Executive Director Mary Jo Currier. A native Kingstonian, Christine owns and operates independent businesses in downtown Kingston, first opening Chris James in 2010 and more recently Curate Social. This will represent Christine's third term on the BIA's board. As general manager of the Confederation Place Hotel, Gord Dalton has many years of experience in Kingston's tourism and hospitality sector. Gord has been involved in BIA committees and events, volunteering in multiple capacities for 25 years. Nick Waterfield, general manager of Shea Piggy and Panchancho Bakery, has been a fixture on the BIA's board, long serving as a member of the board and executive. On Sunday morning, Kingston residents in support of women's rights gathered in Confederation Park to raise awareness and get people talking about women's rights issues. Supporters marched around City Hall after the bells rang noon, with signs being shown off and chants being delivered. The march was followed by speeches in the park. Those who had and continue to face several issues including gender discrimination, racial discrimination, reproductive rights and more bravely shared their stories with others to showcase that these issues very much still exist and continue to happen. The Kingston Symphony is doing something that they have not done in a long time. It's been eight years since they last performed with Kelly Trottier, one of Kingston's finest musical triple threats. If you've been longing for some fiery folk song and dance, you're in luck. Backed by the Kingston Symphony, Kelly will be bringing her crisp, fiddling, angelic voice and impressive step dancing to the Grand Theatre on Saturday, January 28th at... 7.30 p.m. in A Celtic Journey. It promises to be an evening of celebration of Celtic culture and its musical traditions, an evening of toes tapping and hands clapping. Kelly is an experienced performer. She has toured much of the world as a featured soloist including in the sensational string production Bowfire for nine years. Some have called it the first lineup of fiddle and violin virtuosi ever assembled on one stage. Her art was developed from deep and lasting Scottish roots, and together with other influences of contemporary and traditional music, Kelly shaped her performing and recording career. She has earned a dedicated and growing following and glowing accolades from organizers and fans alike. Kelly has been nominated three times for Fiddle Player of the Year by the Canadian Country Music Association, and has performed live and in studio with some of the greats. An Ottawa Valley Country Music Hall of Fame inductee with ten independent recordings, Kelly is sung, danced, and played her way to the top of her musical genre. She's an unforgettable and enchanting artist who always delivers amazing performances. With the Kingston Symphony backing her, she'll be an unstoppable tour de force. The Kingston Symphony's maestro Evan Mitchell says it best. It's going to be such fun to work with Kelly once again. She's a powerhouse of a performer and the energy on stage is exactly what our pop series is all about. What more could you ask for than a fiddle superstar and your Kingston Symphony on stage together? And what more indeed please join kelly and the kingston symphony this january 28th for a celtic journey tickets are available online at kingstonsymphony.ca or you can call 613-530-2050 thank you so much and now we are going to throw it over to erica with our campus corner for the week
1: hello and welcome to campus corner My name is Erica Singh and here are some campus news headlines for today. This week, the AMS will be celebrating its 165th birthday. Founded in 1858, the AMS is the oldest student group in Canada and has served as the primary student organization at Queen's. In its early years, the AMS sought to advance political, social, and academic objectives, including the maintenance and defense of students' rights, the exchange of cordial relations, and the encouragement and promotion of study, and the advancement of general interests of the university. It evolved from the former dialectic Society, a debate group established in 1843 and maintained its status as one until the turn of the century. However, the AMS gradually assumed more control over student life and self-government, including non-academic student discipline. The responsibility began informally in the 1880s and in 1898 it was officially delegated to the ams by the senate in the same year the ams revised its charter and took on current responsibilities which include representing students interests and organizing and supporting other student organizations all students are represented by the ams today with the exception of those engaged in graduate law Education, and Theological Studies. Those students are members of the Society of Graduate and Professional Studies, or the SGPS. Two campus bars, a travel agency, the PNCC Printing Facility, the Queen's Journal, CFRC, Queen's TV, and the Common Ground Coffee House are just a few of the numerous services it manages or oversees. Campus-wide celebrations are starting today, including a friendship bracelet giveaway on Instagram, 16.5% 16.5% off at the Tricolor Outlet, and free birthday cake at the Queen Center. In other news, the Arts and Science Undergraduate Society has been inspired by the Commerce and Engineering Tricolor Classic Game to develop a similar experience for Artsci students. The new event will have two teams, one for Arts and the other for Science, who will compete in the Sci Cup basketball game on February 11th at the Arc. All proceeds are being donated to charity. Artsy President Yara Hossein hopes to create a stronger sense of identity and friendly competition throughout the faculty through events such as this. Next, in June 2024, Principal Patrick Dean's tenure as the Queen's Vice-Chancellor and Principal will come to an end. He has expressed a desire to be taken into consideration for a second term. The Board of Trustees will receive a recommendation from the Joint Board and the Senate Committee to review the principalship chaired by Chancellor Murray Sinclair about the reappointment in accordance with the principalship review and search policy. Principal Dean began his current tenure as the school's 21st principal in early July 2019. He also held the position of Vice Principal of Academic Affairs at Queen's until 2010. The committee will convene around the end of the fall and the beginning of the new year, and the Board of Trustees will be giving the final recommendation this coming March. That's all for Campus Corner today, now over to sports. Good
0: evening everyone, thank you so much. Welcome to your CFRC Sports Update coming to you from the Sports Desk. Last weekend, Queen's University women's hockey team was on the road to challenge the Nipissing Lakers and the Ontario Tech Ridgebacks. In their first match against the Nipissing, the Lakers opened the scoring early in the second period when Mallory Domenico found the back of the net. Logan Biggs got the Gales on the board and even the scoring early in the third period on a goal assisted by Alex Ma and Maddie Briggs that sent the game to overtime. Then Emma McKnight helped the Gales take the win with an unassisted overtime goal. In their next game against the Ridgebacks, the Gales would once again require overtime. They managed to win it out 2-1. With the win, the Gales improved their record to 3-7-6-4 and currently sit third in the OUA East Division standings. Queen's Men's Volleyball traveled Crosstown Friday night to take on the RMC Paladins, coming away with a 3-win-1. After falling in a tight first set, the Gales reeled off three straight set wins to take the match against their Crosstown rivals. With the win, Queen's improved their record to 6-6 and the Gales now sit 8th in the OUA standings. Finally, the women's volleyball team had a doubleheader against the Windsor Lancers this past weekend. The Gales managed to win it out in dominant fashion, winning both games in straight sets. That is all your sports coverage today, and now over to Chris and Chancellor with our community update.
2: This is Chris coming in with your community update for this week. To start us off, I spoke with Director Dan Irwin last week to get a post-holiday season update on the Partners in Mission Food Bank. Here's what Dan had to say about the winter so far and how they're starting off the new year. How many people needed your services in 2022?
3: Yeah, in 2022, we had a record 7,072 people required our services for the year.
2: Mm -hmm. I know it climbs a bit every year, but did you find last year there was a significant increase?
3: Yeah, so last year we, so the 7,072 people that we helped, um, roughly 28% of them were children. And that, um, they they received 16,300 plus hampers, food hampers from us. Uh, And that number was over 2,000 higher than last year. Um, We saw a lot of new faces in 2022, people who've never been to a food bank before. Um, Our new people, so people who've never been to us before, uh, rose by uh, 43% over last year.
2: And now that the holidays are over, we're headed into late winter, how are the shelves looking?
3: Right now, we're looking great. So December really sets us up to make sure we're ready for the new year. So uh, all that food we received in December, it helps us to uh, ensure that we've got those hampers delivered and and full for December. It also spills over and it means that we have um, a good, when we have a good December, it means we've got a great January as well. And so that's exactly what's happened this year. And so we we are uh, nice and full at the food bank and we're able to make sure that our our hampers are filled to the brim and uh, there's lots of great food going out.
2: That was Dan Erdogan with an update on the Partners in Mission Food Bank and be sure to visit kingstonfoodbank.ca to keep up with them. The preview exhibition for Union Gallery's fundraiser Cezanne's Closet is still currently on display. These works will be auctioned off at the ticketed event on February 4th. This collection was curated by Cicely Haggerty and Anna Douglas and here's what these two had to say about some of the submissions.
4: There's a lot of great um, works that we've gotten this year. The nice thing about Cézanne's Closet is like every year, the um, roster is different. And there's mm-hmm. some artists that um, donate something every year. And sometimes there's new artists um, who have never donated before. Um, and there is quite a few new uh, artists donating this year, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um But yeah, you can, there are a lot of paintings, there's prints, uh, there's some more like textural, like fiber art. Um, Yeah, there's quite uh, a lot of range. So, um, which the nice part of that is also is there's something for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, everyone really enjoys. If you look at everyone's list before the auctions, we recommend that people make like a top 10 list. So if like one of the artworks goes that was on your list, you'll have several others to choose from, and everyone's lists are different, which is amazing. So it kind of speaks to the variety of people's taste and how Cezanne's Closet sort of fits into that um, relationship between the ticket holders and the artists who are donating. We also have a few sculptures this year as well. Um, So there's definitely variety and something for everyone, I would say.
2: Be sure to head to Union Gallery located in Stoffer Library to catch the preview exhibition. And head to uniongallery.queensu.ca to see the exhibition digitally and also get your tickets for the live event on February 4th from 7 to 10 p.m. That's all the updates I have for you this week, and next up is Dinah with the weather.
0: Thank you so much. Here is your weather update. Tonight will be cloudy with the wind becoming west 30 kilometers after midnight. Temperature will steady near minus one, but wind chill will make it feel like minus nine overnight. Tomorrow you will have flurries ending in the morning, and then it will be cloudy with a 40% chance of flurries later in the day. There will be about two centimeters of snow. The wind will be west with 30 kilometers an hour of gusts, becoming light early in the afternoon. The temperature will steady near plus two, and tomorrow night will be be cloudy periods with a low of minus seven. And now let's go into our traffic report. I'm Alexandra Fernandez, and here is your weekly traffic report brought to you by the City of Kingston. Lower Brewer Swing Bridge is closed until further notice. Macdonell Street will be closed from Johnson to Earl as of today until February 6th. Market Street from Ontario to King will be closed until February 11th at 5pm for the Optic Interactive Sound and Light installation that you should totally check out. University Avenue from Union to Earl will be closed until January 31st at 7pm. And Wright Crescent from the south intersection of Palace to 16 Palace will be closed until Jan 31st for construction staging. Please note that access to Wright Crescent is through the north intersection of Wright Crescent at Palace Roads. The School Streets Initiative is still in place. The following streets are closed from 8.40am to 9.10am and 3.20pm to 3.50pm on weekdays until June 29, 2023. Macdonnell Street from Earl to Hill and Sydenham Street from Ordnance to Colburn. The Play Street Initiative is also in effect. The following street will be closed from 3.30pm to 5.30pm on Mondays until August 28, 2023. Thomas Street from Cowdy to Patrick. Some other delays that you can expect, front road from Trailhead to King West, you can expect a lane closure on the north side until February 3rd from 7.30am to 3.30pm each day. Highway 33 east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, you can expect delays. And Jackson Mills Road near the KMP Trail is reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements, but remains open in both directions. King Street from Princess to Queen, you can expect a sidewalk closure from Jan 23rd to February 28th for the development at 18 Queen Street. And on Queen Street from King to Ontario, you can also expect a sidewalk closure until the Feb 28th. In regards to the Portsmouth Waterfront Pathway, the city has closed access to the pathway at the foot of Moa Avenue and Young Street and east of Lake Watch Lane to accommodate pathway and shoreline improvements. That's your traffic report, and now let's throw it over to Mary McKetty for our events calendar for the week.
5: Thank you so much. I'm Mary McKetty, and this is your events calendar for the week. From now until February 4th, the Grapevine Theatre Project, a special project of Salon Theatre Productions, is offering early bird tickets to their debut production of City of Wine Harmonia, coming to you March 13th to 18th at the Spire, which is at 82 Sydenham Street. This production is directed by renowned Canadian director Nigel Sean Williams and is made up of local actors with a wide range of theatrical experience. Be sure to visit TicketScene.ca to get $5 off of youth, adult, and senior tickets, which were originally priced between $20 and $25. Next up, we have the Engineering and Technology Fair happening this Wednesday from 10.30am to 3.30pm. Both Queen's students and recent grads are welcome to attend this hiring event, with various employers such as SNC-Lavalin in attendance to offer internships and careers in engineering and technology fields. You can register for free online by searching Queen's Careers Engineering and Technology Fair or by going to queensevents.ca. Coming up on Thursday from 6-9pm, to 9 p.m., Kingston's annual Real Out Queer Film Festival will be kicking off with an all-ages live music, drag, and burlesque performance from various artists. This show is located at The Broom Factory, which is at 305 Rideau Street, with ticket prices at $12 for students and seniors and $15 for adults, which are available online at reelout2023.eventive.org. That's R E E L O U T 2023.eve v e n t i v E.org. Reelout Reel will be offering daily screenings of selected films at The Screening Room, which is at 120 Princess Street, starting this Friday until February 5th with showtimes and tickets available at realoutcom films. For your Friday night out, Kingston-based band The Wilderness has got you covered. From 7.30 to 9.30 p.m., these indie rockers will have you jamming out at the Isabel Bader Center, located at 390 King Street West. Tickets are available online at theisabeltickets.universitytickets.com, with prices ranging from $10 to $21 for Queen students, $26 to $39 for Queen's faculty and staff, and $30 to $43 for general admission. I'm Mary McKetty, and those are all the events that we're highlighting for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the CFRC's news programming. If you ever have a news story or tip to share, please reach out to news at cfrc.ca. Stay tuned for more programming coming up next.